Welcome back to Bringing the Heat podcast, everybody. Thank you for tuning in and listening to episode 25. This is going to be a, a good episode. We have an interview today with um, a guy that actually I actually played against in high school. Um, his name is Danny Herbeck. He's a pitcher in the um, Kansas City Royals organization, and he uh, played baseball Division One at Radford. So this should be a good interview. Um, I don't know how long it's going to be, so we're going to get into it right now. And um, I think we're going to keep this episode to just this interview. I know a lot of stuff has happened this weekend, including UFC uh, with the return of Cain Velasquez and kind of how that turned out not so well, but um, and a lot of big baseball news. So we're going to do that on the episode later on in the week. So I know it's going to be kind of late after everything had happened already, but I'll make sure to dive into all those topics. But I want to make sure that um, this podcast was kind of central to the interview, and um, so I hope everybody enjoys it. All right, so we're here with Danny Urbeck. Um, how's it going, Danny? Oh, good. How are you guys doing? Uh, thanks for having me on. Can't complain, uh, and thank you for coming on. Thank you for taking the time, especially with the season right around the corner. Uh, I'm sure that you're you're busy and, and ramping up uh, your workouts, trying to get everything in right before the season starts. Yeah, no problem at all. I mean, I always love talking baseball, so whenever you get the chance to do that, I'm, I'm game. All right, so just a quick uh, background as to you know who you are. So um, you and I do know each other. Obviously, we're from the same area. We played against each other in high school. Um, before I get into any questions, do you remember? Uh, do you remember any of the games that you played against me? Yeah, I honestly, I really don't remember the specific games. I just remember playing at your place. It's always it was just always kind of a dogfight. You know what I mean? Just. Two, two tough teams going at it. Do you remember uh, the game? We beat you guys, but I, I pitched against you guys almost every single time that we played against each other. But do you remember the game where I think you guys had six hits, but you had four of them? I'm pretty sure you were four for four. And the first pitch of the game, you hit a home run into the creek at our field? Yeah, yeah to be honest with you, that was my first home run ever, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. I was like... Because it was always a tough matchup, but you know what I mean? Like, you had my number for a while, and I was just like, you know, I'm just going to, this is the first game I batted lead up, lead off, like, all year, almost my whole life. I was like, I'm just going to try to ambush a fastball. And it was like, I, I, I remember the pitch like it was, like it was yesterday. <laughs> but, yeah, that was a good one for me. Um, I was very good at giving up home runs. Um, I don't know if you remember Zach Sharanko, but he's one of my best friends. And he hit so many home runs off me, I just lost count. But I was pretty good at that, even when I got to college, giving up a lot of home runs. I, I would give up, I would give up one run, but that one run would be a like a bomb. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was, no, I, I was good at I that. Feel you now, but your, your park was also a tough one to pitch at. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, it's not a good home park to, for a pitcher, especially for in right field. It was very short. But uh, that ball, that ball was gone at most fields. That ball, it went, cleared the fence, cleared the second fence, went into the woods, into the water. <laughs> yeah, that was that was, uh, that was uh, definitely a highlight for me in high school. Well, I'm glad that it was your first one. At least it doesn't make. <laughs> at least you know there was purpose behind it. <laughs> uh, all right, so going into to baseball. So after you know high school, 
You go to Radford. Um, what other schools were you look? Were you looking at any other schools? So, like, and don't get me wrong, Radford's a, is a very good program. I actually had another buddy of mine who uh, actually went there, and tra- he transferred out, but he did go there. And it's a Division One school. So, did you have any other schools, or was that you know kind of the school on your radar that you you knew you wanted to go to? Oh uh, yeah, actually, um, you know, fortunately enough, I had a bunch of bunch of schools looking at me. I played. Um, I played travel ball with the Canes organization in high school, so that kind of got me a lot of exposure. But, um, yeah, I mean, the schools range from, you know, Division three schools to D2, and then a bunch of mid-majors, and I had some major D1 schools. So during that whole process, yeah, I was doing, I was playing both, you know, infield and pitching. And, uh, like, the bigger schools, and then, like, Virginia Tech and Notre Dame, they kind of only wanted me to pitch. I was just, kind of wanted to hold on to my dream of <clears throat> playing shortstop or second base, whatever it was. So, Radford, I visited Virginia Tech and Radford in the same day. <clears throat> and um, the Radford coach called me up and he was like, so Danny, you know what I mean? He goes, go to Tech first. After you go to Virginia Tech, come over to Radford. And um, he's like, you won't want to go to Tech anymore. I was like, all right, you know, I was kind of bold, you know what I mean? You're talking... ACC baseball and then Big South, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, <clears throat> so I go to Tech, it's awesome. I mean, it's got the football stadium, basketball stadium, and, you know, he showed me around. I was just kind of kind of starstruck at first. And, you know I mean, just to kind of get let down saying I'm not good enough to play the infield there. So I was like, all right, you know. They, they offered me a scholarship, and I was like, it was a little early to decide what I wanted to do. So I went to Radford the same exact day. They're about like 20 minutes apart. And mm-hmm. um, I got on campus at Radford, and I kind of just kind of fell in love with it right off the bat. And the smaller campus, like, it was just more personalized. And yeah. they, they offered me to play both ways, have an opportunity to start both ways as a freshman. And they kind of, they gave me an offer that I couldn't resist. And I think about a week later, uh, I, was, I was part of that family, so... I, I don't regret it at all. I mean, it was the best decision I've ever made, I think. So. Yeah, and also, you got to kind of think you know, where we're from. It's a smaller area. Um, I guess it's kind of grown since, but at least the time that we were there, especially the school that you were from, you know, it's a smaller area. So it, I know for myself, I think it would be really hard to go from an area that's, you know, kind of smaller, kind of everybody knows everybody in a way to, you know, this huge, huge school. And, you know, Virginia Tech is not small by all means. Um, I've heard Notre Dame's campus is smaller um, and they got some dope ass uniforms. But uh, other than that, you know, and that'd be kind of be tough to go from a, a small, you know, community to this this huge community where you're just this small person on campus, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like you know, Broadheadsville, there's there's nothing downtown. You know what I mean? So you show up to Blacksburg, Virginia, and there's sixty thousand kids on campus, and you know what I mean? Like you'd, you'd still be, you know, looked at a little bit differently being an athlete there for sure. But I don't, I don't know. It's just Bradford just you know took it took it from all of them and. It was just, I don't know, it's, it's hard to explain. It's like a Southern-style school and kind of wanted to go farther away from home and just experience college the way it should be. So, you know, like I said, I don't I don't regret my decision one bit. And that's, I mean, that's the most important thing. So as long as, you know, you felt like at home there, which it seems you did, you did play a ton there. I looked up 
um, a lot of a lot of your stats. I looked up Radford in general, and um, so I mean, in twenty, and this is one of my questions here in twenty fifteen. You know, you guys had was that the best year Radford's ever had? You had like forty some wins. I think like fifteen losses. Yeah, that was that was the best year in, in history. I mean, that's gonna, that's going to be a tough one to beat going forward. And we started off that year. We ended up with forty five wins. Yeah. We started off the year nine and eleven. Oof. So from there on out, we went on like we only lost three games or four games the rest of the year beyond that point. So we went like thirty something and and four. And it was just an unbelievable run. We had ten game win streak, fifteen game win streak. It was just. Um, and so you guys even, you made it to the Nashville Regional, correct? Yeah, we played, uh, we went down to Vanderbilt and I think they were number one in the nation or something at that time, so it was, uh, it was a tough spot to go into, but I mean, the experience of that being the first time ever being in that, uh, tournament for, you know, the school, it was just, it was an honor just to be there. Was, uh, was Carson Fulmer and Walker Bueller on those teams? In yeah, 15? So, yeah, but, yeah, that team was stacked. I think they had like four or five first-rounders that year. And we actually we faced Walker Bueller, um, and that was their last year at, at Vanderbilt. And it was just, you know, it was, you could just tell those guys are pro-ready right, right then and there. Yeah, I mean, Vanderbilt's pitching staff every year is just, I mean, if you're not running at mid-90s, you're not going to step on the bump for them most of the time. Uh, yeah, and that, that's the crazy thing about it. We were losing, like, it was a blowout. We lost by 20 runs or something like that. And <laughs> by the seventh inning, we're down, like, you know, 20 runs or so. And they're bringing in guys who haven't pitched all year. And they're, they're throwing 98, 99. And I mean, like, it was just insane. Yeah, my, my brother-in-law actually works for uh, Driveline Baseball. And so they're connected with uh, Vanderbilt. Um, yeah, big time. So, you know, I've kind of always been partial to Vanderbilt because of that. Uh, I think it's impressive what they've done, but you know, I don't, did they, they didn't even win it that year, did they? No, I think they ended up losing to UVA that year. That's not the year Coastal won, is it? No, that was UVA. Uh, Coastal won in 16. All right. Yeah. My, my, one of my best friends was, um, yeah, the MVP of that whole thing, Andrew Beckwith and. Yeah, he still wears his college world series ring around now. So. Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, I would too. Uh, there's actually a kid that we're going to get on this podcast. He started um, a bunch of games for them last year as a freshman, um, and he's he's going to be part of their team this year as a sophomore for Coastal. Uh, he's from Pocono Mountain. So, oh, wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so that'll be interesting. But uh, going back to um, you at Radford, so – you know, you kind of there aren't many guys. I guess in college, it's more more it happens more often. But we're kind of seeing it switch over to the pro level. So you played both. Uh, you played infield and you uh, pitched. So you hit and pitched. Um, so how how was that experience? And you know, was it tough? Was it kind of something you were already so used to because you did it in high school? How how was that at at the college level? Because I only pitched, so I think that's kind of interesting as well. Yeah, it was interesting because, I mean, like you said, we most kids do it their whole life. You know what I mean? I mean, usually, usually that's how it is. You got a good arm, or whatever, you're gonna pitch. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if you feel you're, that's just what you're gonna do. So I got to college, and I was like, you know, I was expecting a lot. You know, just continue, continue to do both. I 
you know what I mean? That's my ability. And then freshman year, you know, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to be a starter in the field just the way it worked out. There was some guys ahead of me. And, um, so I was like, all right, you know, this is a great option. Now I could pitch. I think I threw, I think I threw six innings in like the first two weeks and did all right. I mean, velocity was there. I think I was like 91 at the time. And then after that, I didn't see the mound until senior year. So freshman year, I was kind of just a, just a sub filling guy in the infield. And yeah, I just got kind of get my feet wet a little bit. And then, like I said, sophomore year, I didn't pitch. Our pitching staff was unbelievable. We had, um, you guys get drafted out of that class that went on the one pitching in the big leagues right now. He he uh, just made his debut with the Orioles last year. Now he's with the Cardinals, and then another guy with the Dodgers right now. So, I mean, like you said, like you just the way it worked out was I didn't I didn't have to pitch, so it was it was kind of weird. And then senior year comes around, and we're short-handed on pitching, and. Me and my coach just kind of had a talk, and we were like, you know, let's give it a go. Let's let's do this thing. So, you know, I, I uh, played shortstop every game that year. And um, so I played second uh, shortstop on Tuesday, shortstop Friday night, start on the mound Saturday, and then go to shortstop right off of that, and then play shortstop on Sunday. So, I mean, it was a lot come senior year just because I hadn't done it in a couple of years and, you know, getting older, so... Did, it was a, you know, there's a little bit of challenges, just more so just taking care of my body, making sure I was ready for all that. So you didn't really exp- like, you didn't experience too much fatigue then from going from, you know, I, I I wouldn't say fatigue so much from going from short to pitching, but then pitching and then turning right around and going back to short. Yeah, so like we we had a huge discussion, like when I, when was I going to start? Like what day would be best? Would it be Friday night? So that way I could play shortstop the other two nights. Or try pitch Sunday, giving my arm, like, just, you know what I mean, so it won't be sore. And it was kind of like a touch and feel type of deal. And, you know, we, we settled on Saturday being, being the day. And, you know, like I said, my arm, like, never really got sore because I was used to doing it my whole life. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm thankful for that. But it was, I mean, towards the end of the year, it was, it was tough. I mean, it's a long year to do to play one position, and then you know, I mean to do both is was tough. It's more just a ton of recovery stuff. So, I mean, the coolest thing is though, you know, at least your last year, I mean, you never left the field. You know, you got to play. I mean, I would think that that's most kids. You don't want to play as much as you can because those are memories and chances you're never going to get back. So, you know, you definitely made the most of it and being able to literally play every game you possibly could. Yeah, and that's. You know, that's kind of what my mindset was. I'm like, you know, my always my dream was to play professional baseball, and here I am, senior. I mean, I got some looks previous to that to play pro ball, but nothing, nothing serious. So I was like, I'm gonna give it my all. I mean, this could be the last time I ever put on. I mean, baseball cleats. So just give it my all, and whatever happens, it's gonna happen. So. So before we go on to like the pro stuff, um, what who's the What's the toughest college team you've played against? And you might have already answered it, but yeah, I mean Vanderbilt. I mean, was the most talented by far. Like they were just like I said, they were head and shoulders. It was like playing. It felt like you were playing the New York Yankees. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it was just 
we were we were overmatched, and I think everybody on that team would would say the same thing. But we always, I mean, inner I'll go inner in our conference or whatever. Like Liberty and Campbell were just they were always a tough school to play. They they were scrappy. Campbell was scrappy. They would just bun on you, bunch you to death, and just make you play make you play out of your game up to their level. And it was just it was just always a bloodbath between them. We actually cleared benches once with them, so that was, that was a good experience. What happened? What caused that? Just they were they used to run their mouth. I mean, they they were, their bench was just rowdy, and they were just like our head coach got thrown out, and they were mouthing off to our third base coach, and you know some words were exchanged. And next thing you know, <laughs> benches were clearing, fists were flying, and it was, <laughs> it was a good time. I, I enjoyed it. What was the like the the guys like to actually get into it and like were actually like trying to hit each other or was it more like kind of like yelling maybe a little pushing and shoving type stuff? No, yeah, there was there was definitely fist thrown and luckily that that game wasn't wasn't televised or anything so no guys got to spend much time and yeah we got away with some stuff that probably wouldn't fly nowadays. <laughs> yeah, so no no repercussions from it, huh? Yeah, that's that's you don't really see too much college, uh, you know. It's, well, I guess because college baseball, like the televised games, you know nothing's gonna ever happen really. But especially like once you get to the, like the college World Series and stuff, you never really see anything like that. You don't see guys kind of chirping or anything. I would say last year, uh, Roger Clemens' son, he uh, he did some some chirping. I'm surprised he didn't get thrown at because he hit a home run and was looking at the other benches and screaming and yelling. So. Normally, you don't see too much of that uh, when college baseball is televised, for sure. Yeah, and like I think it's just part of how those programs are brought up. I mean, I played against UVA every year, Vanderbilt. I think three years out of my career, and honestly, they're just they're just blue collar. I mean, they just go to work every day. You know what I mean, it's they're almost militant in the fact that they just respect their coaches, they respect their game, and they. They don't have to buy into all that chirping business, you know what I mean? So, yeah. you gotta respect them for that because they just respect the game. Um, who's the toughest player you faced, or maybe the most known player, or or someone that you'll just like never, almost never forget? As far like you can go back and be like, yeah, I played against that guy. Yeah, probably, probably Danzy Swanson. Honestly, like, like at that time, I mean, he was uh, he was you know the best player in the country, so. We roll up and, you know, we obviously get there hours and hours before the game and you just see him working, you know what I mean? And it, it just looked like, like poetry in motion, you know what I mean? It was just, it was sexy. Like, just watching him field down balls, watching him work, watching him be a leader. It was just, it was unreal, you know what I mean? Yeah. And after, like, after all that hype, he still performed, you know what I mean? He... In that regional, he made like a Jeter type play, like deep in the hole, jump throw. It was just the crowd just lit up. It was it was insane. I mean, like I like Walker Real and them be on different levels. Like you knew Danzy was he was pro ready. He could step on any any team and play right away. You know what I mean? So I think he was he was probably the best player. So yeah, and he never. 
you know, he kind of struggled a bit, but he's starting to come into his own now. He he did pretty well last year. He's battled some injuries, so I am a Dansby fan, without a doubt. Yeah, no, his defense is unreal. It's, you know, I mean, if he could he could swing it and be consistent as he was in college, and he's going to be around for a long time. Yeah, do you think some of those guys have a hard time uh, switching from metal? to wood back to like because you know most of the time if they're playing summer ball it's it's normally you know you're swinging wood um but then you know do you think guys some guys struggle and maybe that's why i mean i'm not saying that's dansby's problem i'm just saying in general uh guys guys struggle because we see bregman bregman's a stud uh you know he was a potential uh mvp last year and he hasn't had an issue trans uh like kind of moving from metal to wood but then you know, we do see other guys like Dansby who have struggled to, you know, acclimate to the big leagues at times when it comes to hitting. Yeah, no, I, I think I think using the metal bats are, are too forgiving at times, you know what I mean? Because especially, I mean, I'm not taking anything away from Vanderbilt by any means, but like the turf that they play on is super fast, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. you can miss hit a ball and it, it finds a hole or, you know what I mean? And... It's those when you get to playing in with bat leagues and stuff like that. Those are out. You know what I mean, those are broken bat out, mm-hmm. and guys are getting their thumbs broke. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, would... I do think it's more forgiving, and I think the pure hitters in, in the game find the barrel consistently, and those are the guys that obviously project in the big leagues. But I, I think I think some people get too comfortable at the plate in college just because there is that forgiveness, and they get you know what I mean. They know that. In the reality of things, they're not going to get beat with a, with a metal bat. So. Yeah, you can get a 95-mile-an-hour fastball in the hands and poke it to right. You know, you don't have to worry about it. Whereas if that's the big leagues, that bat's, you know, splintered all over the place. Yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a, routine, that's a routine play for those guys. Um, and you never got to play against Bregman, right? No, never, never Bregman. Actually, it's funny though because one of my buddies that I played with with the Royals, he's best friends with Bregman, always working out with him. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that kid, that guy is. I did not think he was going to be that good. I mean, he's a smaller dude, but he packs a punch. That guy can swing it. He's a good uh, third baseman. Uh, he's a yeah, stud. No, like for all like the young kids, you know what I mean? Like if if I were to emulate anybody, I think it would be Bregman, just because. He's undersized compared to most pro guys, and he's just a fighter. You know what I mean? Like he's he's scrappy. He he's just an ultra competitor, and I think that's the most important thing. I mean, if you hate losing that much, like you're gonna be you're gonna be successful. Yeah, and how I have to ask, how was Vanderbilt's field? Because I look at that on TV, and I'm like, this thing is probably one of the most beautiful fields I've ever seen. Ah, uh, yeah, it's, it's like it's immaculate, and they were. This was before they even did renovations, I think, the past year or two. It was, I mean, it's really cool. It's, like, tucked behind their football stadium, their basketball arenas, and in left center. I mean, it, it was unreal. Like, overall, like, the stadium part of it, seating, it was, like, not the biggest in college baseball, obviously, but it's just flawless, you know what I mean? Yeah, and the facilities was, and stuff are nice. Oh, yeah, it was a great place to play. And they have, like, that whole pitching lab underneath so i mean they they definitely got what they need yeah that's that's sick that's the that's one of my favorite things about 
baseball is like every ballpark is so unique that it pros or college you know you get to the d1 schools like just the way that the layouts are you know the clubhouses like there's just you know everything is just different depending on that organization like uh, we interviewed another guy who plays uh he's made it up as far he's been with the braves and the mariners and he's been up with both of them to the big league squad and he kind of has talked about you know the difference between organizations and the clubhouses and how you know one looks great and then you go to the other one you're like wow i was spoiled at this other place so i find it super cool and like schools use that as a recruiting tool too oh uh, yeah definitely i mean i i even look at radford like when we first started out we didn't really have much and then all of a sudden you start winning and people want to donate and for a mid-major school if people saw our complex i mean we got like a two million dollar hitting facility indoor baseball softball only and it's, it's insane so when you're competing like we compete with Virginia Tech in that realm you know what I mean yeah that's... maybe not conference wise but you can compete with facilities and sometimes that's all it takes for somebody to, to you know what I mean commit so yeah uh, I mean that's why I think Radford's been been a great program over the last couple of years because now we have those facilities to compete with other schools and take take them away from the bigger schools yeah, that's that is a good point. You know, guys, a lot of kids. It's not just about the program; it's about you know the materialistic things. You know, and I think that kids will go to schools based on the facilities, maybe the gear that they get. You know, kids kids love that stuff, regardless whether whether it's right or wrong. Kids love it. Uh, yeah, I mean, like me personally, like I didn't like. I'm not. I'm not too into like the materialistic things because I, don't know, I think. I've just been, like, I've just been a, like, a hard-nosed type of player where it's just, like, I don't need, like, the flashy stuff, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, when I went to Virginia Tech, they had, I mean, probably, like, 30 different uniform combos, you know what I mean? And then I go to Radford, and I got three. So it's like, yeah, I mean, some kids strictly want that, you know what I mean? And, and that's fine, you know? So it's, it would have been great to have those different perks, but... I don't know. I think you got to earn that as well. So. I, I agree. Um, so, kind of, how's it been going from? So, obviously, you're with the Royals. So, how's it been transitioning from? And this is one of my favorite questions to ask. But transition from, you know, where we're from, Northeast Poconos, you know, and I think we can both agree baseball isn't great up here. Um, if you only play high school baseball, you're probably not going to get recruited. Um, because yeah, no. they're just not, you know, and it's not a knock on where we live. It's just the truth, you know, Northeast, where we live, you know, unless you're out in Allentown somewhere at a big school, the schools just aren't big enough to attract um, college coaches. So, you know, to me, what's it been like to go from the Poconos, a small area, to a Division One program in Radford, but again, not, not you know, the biggest Division One program, and then to, you know, making it to professional baseball? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think Radford is that perfect stepping stone just because, you know, it may not seem like a lot, but 10, 15 degrees warmer and being out in January outside on a field compared to March, even April up north where we live. I mean, that alone, that alone is a huge advantage. And I mean, I think that that prepares me even for this level now where like in a week I'm flying out to, Arizona, I'm going to be in warm weather, you know what I mean? So, and I see guys from all over the place even now training in 80-degree weather all year. And 
they're going to be a step ahead. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But luckily, you know what I mean? It's, it was harder in high school for sure just because we didn't have the facilities. And, and I mean, you just can't can't control the weather. So Yeah, and, and so, like, how was it to – was it tough adjusting? Could I mean, you did play travel ball, and I think that we see guys don't really have this big, uh, this hard time transitioning because they're playing good competition throughout their high school career. But was it tough at all going from you know playing the high school level that we played at, which was again I would say it's subpar or, or not not real good compared to you know then you go to Radford. Which obviously you're playing. It's Division One school, regardless of where you go. You could play baseball anywhere in college. There's going to be good programs, good players where, wherever you go. So was it was it kind of was there any difficulty in making that you know adjustment or not so much because you did play travel ball and played against good competition regularly over the summers? Yeah, so like it's just a matter of like consistency between the players, you know. And if you look at our area, you got. One guy on a team, two guys on a team, max. You know what I mean? If you're lucky to have more than that, obviously you're going to have a lot of success where we're from. But I mean, when you get when I got to college, it was kind of just okay. Like instead of seeing 80 miles an hour or whatever we saw in high school, it's you're going to see 90. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then even if you go take a step higher than that to the major D1 schools, you're going to see 93, 95 every night out. Like it's just a just a matter of consistency and. The pace of the game more so. You know what I mean? Everybody around you can make plays at a at a fast rate. Uh, they get down the line quicker. So it's just it's consistency throughout the lineup, throughout the whole pen. That's that's the biggest thing, and the pace of the play, obviously. And you can you don't have to worry about giving up a ground ball to your defense because ninety percent of the time they're going to make the play, which that's not always the case where we're at. No, yeah, I mean. You, you just have to try to strike everybody out, and as a pitcher, you know it's impossible to pitch like that. Yeah, uh, I, w- I would definitely agree with that, and I think a lot of kids struggle with that. You know, it's not easy to play on it. Like I knew for myself, and I again, I only played at the JUCO level, so. Um, but even there, you know, it's it's amazing. You know, you can give up a screamer to shortstop, and they're going to pick it, throw it at to first, no problem. You know, it's an out. You don't have to worry about it because that guy, he knows how to field, and that's not always the case in the Northeast. And, you know, that kind of ruins kids' confidence at times. Uh, yeah, it can ruin careers as well. You know what I mean? It's, all of a sudden that draws one kid away where if he had if he had that defense behind him, you know what I mean? It's, it's amazing what happens when you pitch and have defense behind you. I mean, you don't feel threatened at all unless the guy takes you deep. You know what I mean? And if that's the case, then sometimes you just got to tip your cap, but... Like pitching behind kids, every position is like all star. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's it's fun to play around, and it heightens your game. You know what I mean? Yeah. So now all of a sudden, the guy who's who's struggling a little bit, now he's playing with better talent around them. It makes him better. You know what I mean? So I think that's that's kind of a cool thing to see where I'm at because I mean I'm still playing with 18 year olds now. You know what I mean? And they're still learning the game and playing with older guys. That can teach him. You know what I mean? It, it kind of just makes everybody better. So, yeah, and it it kind of is cool because when you get to college and and obviously you with the in, in at the pro level, everybody on that team was the star player. Like 
you know how you said everybody had that star player, that, you know, that one guy that pitched and played shortstop. Well, now everyone on that team was that kid, you know, so it's kind of like every Little League team has that one star. Now that college team is is a bunch of those kids, you know, so that's kind of it's kind of cool the way that works. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's definitely been cool to see the see the transition of those things. You know what I mean? It's and yeah, I'm fortunate enough to still be playing and to see like you know what I mean? Like it's kind of just kind of just weeding people out and I don't know. It's just been it's been fun. It's been cool to see. Yeah. So kind of talking about it again. So you you signed as an undrafted free agent, so you didn't get drafted. Um, doesn't really matter. I mean, hey, you're still playing professional baseball, so who cares? Um, kind of what was that process like? So I've, I've heard a lot about the draft process, but kind of how was the process to uh, being an undrafted free agent? Like were there a bunch of teams that you had to choose from? Was What, what was that like? Yeah, so I'll throw it back to junior year at Radford. I um, had a great year in the field, great year at the plate, and I was getting some looks from some teams, and it was like, you know, some people were telling me, like, hey, you're going to go, you're going to go here, you're going to go there, whatever. So, come draft day junior year, I'm sitting by my phone waiting, and you see people you know getting taken, it's just like, like, oh shit, like, this is real. And then, all of a sudden, it doesn't happen, right? So now, it's like, okay, that was just heartbreaking, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you've been told, you've been told this is what it's going to be, and then it doesn't happen. And, you know, I cried. You know, I, mean, I just was bawling my eyes out. You know, I'm not good enough. That's the reality. I'm not good enough. So, you know, I took some time from, from baseball that summer. Just stopped playing summer ball. I was like, I just got to gotta find myself. I couldn't look at a baseball no more. And the year came around, and that's when I kind of had that, that moment. Like, screw it. I'm going to give it my all. And that's, you know, I mean, if it doesn't, doesn't work out, if I don't get picked up, then, then I'm done. But, um, like, throughout the year, we have, like, scout days and stuff like that, and my velocity was good, you know what I mean? I was low to mid-90s and was getting was getting looks both ways. I mean, as a shortstop, middle infielder, and pitching. So, throughout the year, they kind of, you know, I mean, you see the scouts in the, in the stands, and it's just, you just kind of got to lock that out. You know what I mean? It's no different than playing high school ball and seeing college coaches there. And um, so I was getting getting scouted by the Cardinals pretty hard, and they're telling me, "Yeah, you're gonna be top twenty rounds." You know what I mean, like, just be ready on the third day of the draft. Have that phone by your by your side, like we're you're on our board and we're thinking of taking you. I'm like, "Oh, yeah, awesome. I'm pumped up, ready to go, waiting." And once again, nothing happens. So like, I follow the draft all day long and. You guys getting taken? I'm like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm better than that guy. Why is he getting taken? Yeah. You know what I mean? And then, like, 15 minutes after the draft, I'm just staring off in the distance, like, this is it. It's over. You know what I mean? Like, 18 years of my life, 20 years of my life playing baseball is done. And then my college coach texted me, like, hey, um, the Royals are going to be calling you in a little bit. I was like, like, no way. And soon enough, hung up the phone and they called me <clears throat> and they were like, you know, we're, we scouted you a lot and we want you to come do an open, open workout for us. 
we have a couple couple open spots still, and we want you to work out. And if things go right, we're gonna find you. So they're like, can you be in can you be in North Carolina in like not the following day, the next day? I was like, all right, yeah, sure. So got in the car, go down to North Carolina, threw a bullpen, got in the car, went home. On my way home, they they called me and said that they were gonna sign me and. Uh, next thing you know, I was out in Arizona and the pro career, you know, started. So it was kind of a roller coaster and just glad I got that opportunity. So they were the only team, even though the Cardinals had said they were going to take you, they were the only team that, that reached out to you after the draft? Yeah, that was the only team I ever heard from. That's crazy. Because we actually, we heard some crazy draft stuff in the one interview that we did before. Um, it seems like it's a cutthroat type of thing, you know, like it's, it's weird, you know, organize, it's a business, you know, it truthfully is a business. And I've learned a lot from, and I've only done four or five interviews within this podcast so far. And I've learned a lot. I mean, any sport, it is, it is cutthroat. It is a business and you know, it sucks in a way you didn't get drafted because I've looked at your numbers and I think they're worthy of being drafted. I mean, there's 40 rounds in baseball, and to me, I'm gonna if I'm getting in the even if I'm in the thirtieth to fortieth round, anywhere in that range, I'm taking a college guy who's proven himself over some high school kid who's probably gonna go play college because he's not gonna sign for enough money to to wanna go play pro ball. You know, so I thought for sure looking at your numbers that you would have been drafted based on just, just that alone. So that's definitely it's crazy. And and do you do you know what maybe it wasn't like you did bad? Do you do you know like have any idea what attributed to it or? Yeah, no, honestly, I I really couldn't tell you. Maybe the fact that I mean, like I was I was kind of just a gunslinger, you know what I mean, on the mound, and I didn't hit for enough power and with the bat, and I think it was just they saw, you know what I mean. I was twenty two years old at the time, I was a senior, so I guess they figured we'll take our chances on a young guy over over an older guy, you know what I mean. So. I, I, you know what I mean? I couldn't, I couldn't really tell you, but I'm just thankful that the Royals gave me that opportunity, and, and so far it's been going well. So I mean, that's all you could ask for. Yeah. So what's that? What's it been like so far being a, being a pro? Like how how is it every day? You know, you get to call yourself a pro baseball player. You know, you'll be able to say that for the rest of your life. Kind of what's that been like? You know, how how do you, how do your days go and and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean. Right now, it's not as lavish as everybody would think. Obviously, I mean, baseball guys know more than more than the average fan. But it's yeah. a grind. I mean, I hate to use the word grind, but it is. You know, it's the whole off season. You got to work out. You know what I mean? It's just that's your job. So and the minor league lifestyle out, is not easy. Yeah, you got to work out, get ready for a year, and at the end of the day, you may not have a spot. You know what I mean? Like they could just cut you. You know what I mean? So. It's like it's it's insane. So you gotta you gotta prepare the best you can. Constantly get better and perform. And like, we play a 140 game schedule, so it, it flies by. I mean, every day you're playing from April to September. So it's been it's been a, a lot of fun though. Like just meeting meeting a bunch of different people from all over the world. Meeting you know coaches that have won Cy Young, you know MVPs, all that. So. Who's the pro- been Who's the coolest pro guy you've met so far? Uh, 
Jeff Supon is one of my coaches, and he's he's an ex big leaguer for like sixteen years, I believe. Oh yeah, years. Cardinal. He was a Cardinal. Yeah, Cardinals, Royals, Brewers, bunch yeah. of teams. Yeah, he was yeah, all he over. Is, he's by far the coolest dude that I've met so far. I mean, he's just just the wisdom that that guy has for the game is is off the charts. Have you met uh, Yost yet, or no? Um, like I, I see him around in spring training. We have a bunch of meetings and that when he's there. But those guys kind of they kind of keep to themselves. You know what I mean? Just because it's you know what I mean. Like they, it's their job just as well as ours. to take care of, obviously. Right. Um. So, what was your first off season like? And and you know, kind of. I'm assuming they kind of do like an end of the year thing. You know, you go in, you talk to them, they give you your plan and all that stuff. But kind of, what was your first off season like compared to to this year? Yeah, so the first off season, like you said, you have you have your exit meeting, and that's just kind of what your what your pitching coach that you end up with at the end of the year. So he kind of tells you, you know, what you did that was good, what you did that was bad, what you need to work on, and it's kind of like, all right, we'll be in touch with you. And they just send you off back home. <laughs> and it's like, all right, like, not really sure what to expect now. You know what I mean? It's like, did I do enough during the year? Did I, I mean, am I going to have a job next year? So it's just a waiting and, game. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, then every once in a while you hear from a coach. And it's like, all right, like, we're, we're still good. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they send you, like, the lifting programs, strong programs, all that. And then it's just... Just time to get ready. You know what I mean? You just gotta drown out the drown out kind of like the noise that's going on. Whether your friends are getting released, whether they're signing new guys, it's just you just gotta stay focused on your own goal and just just work out as hard as you possibly can. You know what I mean? Like just take it as a job. It's a job. I like, just have to clock in at the gym every day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Do my stuff. And going into spring training, you don't you don't know. Like, what to expect? First spring training, you're like, am I ready? Am I not ready? What's it going to be like? And so, like, that was the the hardest thing about last last offseason. And now this offseason, you got to know what works for you now. I mean, you know what workouts you need to do. You know what throwing programs you need to do and what you need to do to get ready. And I thought, by far, I'm in a better position this year already than I was last year at any point during the year so I mean you just kind of you just kind of know what works for you what works for your body and what you need to get ready and just trust that yeah I was going to say so kind of what's your outlook for this year you know how do you kind of what's your goals how do you see how do you see it playing out you know obviously in your head yeah I mean like I told myself this off season I'm going into spring training ready game ready you know what I mean I don't want to be don't be middle of the pack. I want to be, uh, oh shit, her back's ready. You know what I mean? Like, we could send him off right now and he'd compete for us. And that's kind of like the biggest difference from this year to last year. Where it's like, you don't want to step on toes too much. You know what I mean? Because you're the new guy. You refresh me. So, this year it's kind of like, I'm here. Like, I'm here to stay. I belong. And this is why you should have drafted me. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of been my my mindset going into this year like this is for this is for not thinking highly of me right off the bat you know what I mean mm-hmm. so I kind of I kind of use that to, to feel me 
that's that's good motivation, truthfully. And we see that in a lot of sports, you know, football specifically, undrafted guys, you know, they play, you know, they kind of got that chip on their shoulder, which rightfully so, you know, as a, as an athlete, you have to think that you're the best player, regardless. You know, you got to you have to have that confidence in yourself. So, I think that that's rightfully so to have that that fuel and and to want to be the best guy on the field. You should think that every single time. So, and I always tell if I coach, I always tell kids that. Yeah, if you're on that field, you got that opportunity to to prove yourself. You know what I mean? At that point, if you're on the field, you belong. Yeah. Don't don't ever think that you're not good enough to be out there. And if you're not out there, you know what I mean? You gotta, you gotta kind of look yourself in the eye and be truthful. Why am I not out there? And you know what I mean? You just gotta, just stay motivated. Just keep to it. So, um, no, you don't really have an idea of where you know after spring training and everything where you'll end up. They haven't really, obviously, I wouldn't think they said anything like that yet. But yeah, I mean, I've talked to, I've talked to some people, and I mean. If I do what I should, and if I perform uh, better than last year, I mean, there's a good chance that I end up, you know, a level higher than I left. But if not, I'll go back to where I was, and you know, what I mean, have a role and just work from there. I mean, just work my ass off and get moved up. So it's not really as long as you have that opportunity, you get moved up no matter where you start. So yeah, I agree, and you know. Now that you've been on this podcast, I mean, truthfully, I, I pull for all the local guys. I mean, Mike Nickerack is another one. You know, we've kind of – I pull for all the local guys because it's not every day that, you know, I could say that I played against this guy or, or you know, I, I – I, I mean, I don't really know – I didn't know you personally, but it, it makes it, you know, worthwhile, you know, watching baseball and seeing guys that you've played against or played with making it. I mean, there's tons of guys that I played with at the JUCO level and stuff making it, so – it's pretty cool to see, you know, guys that you know making it. And so, you know, I don't have any doubt that if you, you know, go out there, do what you're supposed to do, seem like you're someone that's, you know, extremely ready, uh, ready for the season and working hard. So I think that this year will be a big year. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know what I mean, it is cool to see how close the community is, you know what I mean, like the baseball community. And oh, yeah. just, like how many guys that you know make it, and it's it's honestly crazy to think about, and that's a that's a really cool thing to be be a part of with the baseball community. Yeah, I would say like baseball is one of those sports. Like, yeah, I, I didn't make it past JUCO. I mean, I I had some offers. I just decided I didn't really want to play anymore. But like, I'm not connect. You know, I'm not connected with the professional game really. But in a way, I am because I know people. So it's kind of just like. You know, I feel connected in a way, and I feel like there's a lot of people like that. You know, just being it. You know, you I can go back and say I played against this guy or I played with this guy, and it's you know, it is kind of like a community in a way, and kind of you know, everybody's pulling for different people, but everybody. It seems like everybody knows somebody, and that connects them to the sport a little bit. You know, they get closer to the sport, and because of that. Yeah, like like for me, like we're we're at the age now where it's like. You know, we have people that we know making it, and it's like, it makes you feel like a little kid again. You know what I mean? Just, oh, yeah. You're like, you're watching baseball, you're like, no, well, you're rooting for this guy, no matter, you know what I mean? He could have been your worst enemy, but it's, I, I don't know, that's just, to me, what makes baseball so special. Yeah, without a doubt. So, 
going off baseball now because I think we've talked about a lot of baseball. So we're almost done, but I just want to bring up, you are a Giants fan. Yeah, unfortunately, it's been a rough couple of years now, but I am. Uh, so how do you, uh, what do you think of this past year? I mean, Saquon Barkley, that's all I can say. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the only reason why I watched the game. But strictly the only reason I put on the games. Um, and I was like, I was always an Eli fan, but after seeing him these past couple of years, I'm like, we we need to get out of out of there. You know, I mean, get out of that situation. There's no reason why, without with all that talent on offense, why we can't win the game. So, yeah, I mean, but Eli did have statistically his best season. Yeah, which is stupid to think about. I mean, if anybody watched the game, then <laughs> yeah, I mean, you would never think that he had his greatest. I think a lot of it had to do with the offensive line. I mean, the offensive line was pretty bad. Um, I think that's what attributed most of his turnovers, and, and he was under pressure a lot. So I'm not going to put the blame all on Eli, but I am a huge football fan, so I had to bring up bring up the Giants. Um, and, and what? How do you see the the draft uh, ending up? Because some people are saying they're going to draft. Giants may somehow work out something and get Kyler Murray. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, as a fan, I would love to see Kyler Murray just because he's a great athlete. You know what I mean? And just because he has that baseball, that baseball tie. But I mean, realistically, I think they're going to get Haskins just because he fits, he fits the mold a little bit more. And to be honest with you, how can you knock anything against him? I mean, he's, just, he's a stud in college. You know what I mean? So oh, I'm excited just to. Finally, hopefully they go after one of those guys. You know, I hope they don't pull pull something and not end up with either of those two. But yeah, they're gonna draft I, I like don't a. I think you go wrong with either one of them. They're gonna draft like a wide receiver that they don't even <laughs> that they don't even need. <laughs> yeah, defensive end. Yeah, another how, how we do it. Yeah, another defensive player. Um, <laughs> what what do you think of the Kyler Murray situation? So we've talked about that quite a lot on my podcast. So and I haven't really asked anybody else's opinion. What are your opinions on that? I mean, me personally, I would tell him to play football, a hundred percent. I mean, if people don't realize, you know what I mean? He's he's gonna be. It's it's gonna take him two, three, four, five years to make it to the pros playing baseball. You know what I mean? Realistically, mm-hmm. I think the greatest players that are in the game right now, they played in the minors for two years. You know what I mean? Yeah. And do you really want to be sitting on a bus with? I mean, driving through the middle of the country for nine hours and, and I mean, dealing with all that, or you know, be the starting quarterback for the Giants, you know what I mean, living in a penthouse, you know what I mean? Like, I, I just think if you could do both, you know what I mean, I think it'd be easier to start with football, and then if that don't work out, you could always go to baseball. I think if you start with baseball, you will never have that football opportunity ever again. Yeah, I mean, we've seen that with Brandon Eden. Brandon Whedon tried that, and that didn't work out too well. Yeah, no, so I think it'd be easier for him to transition if football don't work out to baseball. But, I mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, I just, me personally, I think being a, being an athlete of that caliber, I think, I think being a quarterback is probably the best job on the planet. You know what I mean? Uh, I would agree. And also, that's the basically the same exact take I had, so... 
I had said to people, Kyler Murray only played, I think he played one year of college baseball. Now, granted, he did extremely well. I mean, he hit 298. He had 10 home runs. I think he had 20 stolen bases. Um, I mean, the guy was, he's just a phenomenal athlete. And not to say that he wouldn't make it in baseball, but, you know, like you said, he let's say he spends three years in the minors, which is, that's forgiving. I mean, that's probably not, it's probably more risk, realistic four, but four or five. But let's say he stays three. By then, he's 24, 25. Then a team's got six years control under you anyway um, with, uh, you know, arbitration and all that stuff. You need, what is it, six or seven years MLB service. So then he, you know, he's not even going to get his money because look at Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. Those guys are 26, not, I mean, granted, they're probably getting tons of money in these offers, but they're not getting what they would have gotten six, seven years ago because baseball has changed so much in that way. Oh, yeah, and that's exactly how I feel. Like, I just looked at, you look at, say, Quan, he signed for, what, like 20, 20 million or something like that? Yeah. Like, that is, that is stupid money. You know and it's mean? guaranteed. You have to play. Yeah, exactly. You'd have to play a lot of years in the bigs to ever make that. You know I mean, and, and it's not all about money. Like, don't get me wrong, but. I mean, there's some perks to it. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. And I mean, baseball, yeah. If you're a star and you're going to get paid a ton, but again, that is not always the case because it's changed because those big contracts, they've failed more than they've succeeded. I mean, we see it, we're seeing it with Cano right now. Johnny Cueto's another one. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say Stanton's is, is bad yet, but give it time. I mean, he's still got a ton of years left on that deal. So, I mean, we're, we're seeing guys, you know, Jacoby Ellsbury, I'm a Yankees fan, perfect example. I mean, not that Jacoby Ellsbury is a bad player or, or was a bad player at the time. He was a great player, but just those big contracts just don't work out. Uh, yeah, like you look at it, you know what I mean? It's just like I don't think any player deserves to have that much, like that much money. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, I, like, I don't know, I think – it's too long of a, a year for and too hard of a sport to, to last long. You know what I mean? Like, realistically, you're playing a lot of games every year, and there's a lot of wear and tear on your body, and especially like pitchers. You know what I mean? Like, to give a pitcher that much money, you, you never know if they one injury and they could be done forever. So, I mean, I don't know. I think me personally, I think baseball needs to get away from those ridiculous contracts, and you know, I mean, just. Be more realistic about it. What well, um? What are your thoughts on Machado and Harper? I mean, I like. I don't even know what to think. I mean, you would you would think that they'd be picked up right away. You know what I mean? I don't know if they're asking way too much money, or if the teams are saying that we're just not going to pay them. You know what I mean? Like, I think I think somebody's just going to try to steal them, and eventually these players are just going to have to sign. You know what I mean? And I think that's where the game is right now, and I think that's the problem that the big-time athletes are facing, and that's why they're getting pissed off because, you know what I mean, like the teams are end up just going to have to steal them. So, I mean, it, I'm kind of torn between the two just because I'm not at that level yet. But, yeah. You know what I mean? Kinda, I could kind of have a little input on it, but, I mean, I don't know how you could turn it down that much money. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, so, also, you can't really forget Dallas Keuchel. The guy won a Cy Young. He's still unsigned. Kimbrel, yeah. Kimbrel, and Kimbrel, yeah. yeah. Those those two guys are, I mean, Keuchel is, 
even on his down years, I mean, he's still sporting a four ERA, which, yeah, don't get me wrong, it's not great. But, I mean, if a guy can go out there and give you five innings and give you – I mean, yeah, it sucks if he gives you three – gives up three runs, four runs. But, you know, nowadays with how prominent offenses are, three, four runs isn't really a big, big lead. Yeah, no, and you agree um last thing i want to ask and this was kind of news that came up um yesterday and today so we all know who vlad Guerrero jr is i mean the guy the kid is an animal um he so he and uh eloy jimenez is another one the teams are going to wait until they are they are not eligible to be considered for a full major league uh, baseball season and then they will call them up so they'll get it'll push their their basically their MLB service time back so the team will have them longer. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, to me, I think it's the BS. Like, just, you know what I mean? If you're, if you're just going to hold out just for just for that reason, then I don't think... Obviously, those guys have unbelievable talent that can play at that level. You know what I mean? So, play them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you got to so pay them a little bit earlier than you wanted to. But... I can also see how organizations are run, and it's a business, you know what I mean? It's strictly a business. And obviously, obviously you're going to want to try to save money as much as possible, but I think there comes a comes certain cases where you got to bite the bullet and you got to pay these guys, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, and it, there's a lot of players coming out on Twitter and stuff speaking out against it. And it just sucks because one, it robs the fans. Like if you're the fan, if you're a fan of the Blue Jays, you know that's disheartening, kind of. Because I'm not going to say that he's going to make them a playoff team, but he could win them some games. I mean, the kid is a stud. Maybe he's not the best in the field, but he absolutely rakes. And that's going to it's going to draw more fans. People are going to come to the games more because they want to see him play. Exactly, and he's good enough. You know what I mean? He's he's ready. So. Play on, you know what I mean? Like he could he could start on that team, no problem, in my opinion. He could have started on that team last year. Yeah, and it's it's just a shame that that's how kind of baseballs are run at this level. So I don't know. I mean, like I said, something's probably gonna have to change soon, or or I think there's gonna be problems. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think there's gonna be some backlash in baseball, and they're gonna have they'll probably have to revisit some of that stuff uh, at the end of the year when they have those meetings. Um, one more thing. Because I have to ask this, so you pitch and you used to hit. Who did you, you know, kind of emulate your game after at as a fielder and hitter, you know, shortstop? Um, and now that you're, you know, a full time pitcher, or even when you were in high school and college, who did you kind of want to emulate your your game from as a pitcher? Oh, I mean, that's a, that's a tough question. I mean, I don't think I ever asked that, but. <laughs> In the field, I like I know it's cliche, but like you look at Jeter, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I didn't try to do everything that he did. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I just take his. I just took like kind of his how he attacked the game. You know what I mean? How he knew he wasn't a power hitter. You 
what I mean? I knew I wasn't. So why try to why try to hit home runs? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Why not just stick to what makes you successful? So I mean, just in that perspective, I would say him for sure. And then I mean, on the mound, I, to be honest with you, like I never really never really focused just on pitching. So like, you know what I mean? I don't. I kind of just threw. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. It, it, like I didn't. I don't think I really pitching that seriously to be honest with you and you know what I'm not going to say you had more success pitching but it's kind of funny how maybe you didn't take it as seriously and now look you're a professional pitcher <laughs> yeah, I know and I'm kind of kicking myself now I'm like damn I should have just tried to stuck to pitching but now I, I'm, I'm glad the way you know I mean my route is, it's not ideal you know what I mean it would have been nice to get trapped and sign for a bunch of money but I mean I did what I want to do and played both ways as long as I could and you know like I said luckily luckily I didn't I didn't get passed up so do you think do you think guys like Brennan McKay and Hunter Green like those guys will eventually have to pick a position or do you think Shohei Otani has kind of like paved the the way for them yeah, I mean I actually played against both of those guys I played against McKay in college and uh, Hunter Green in pro ball and I don't know I if you're, like, in Hunter Green, if you're throwing 100 miles an hour, I don't think... Well, yeah, I mean, like, Otani does throw 100, you know what I mean? Like, so... But I just think... I don't know. He, he was already hurt, you know what I mean, in his first year or whatever, so... Mm-hmm. I think if they want to stick around the game long enough, I think they're going to have to pick one or the other. I mean, so... Yeah. I, I think it's too hard and too long of a season to, to do both. Yeah, I, I think that that's kind of... I mean... I think if maybe pitching doesn't work out with one, maybe they try hitting, kind of like oh, what yeah, kind of sure. what Ankeel did. But it, it at least gives them maybe buys them more time if they end up not panning out. But uh, I think ultimately it is going to be tough, tough to uh, to do both. I mean, like you said, the, the season is just so grueling. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if they're going to pitch, then I guarantee you that they're going to be taking hacks on in, in the cages every day. You know what I mean? Like, I do think that. That's gonna have to be their road they take, but I mean, I, hey, I want to see two-way players because I think it'd be something new and fun for the game. You know what I mean? I think Otani took took the bull by the horns, and you know what I mean? Like you haven't seen that in in a long time, a true two-way player. So I think that's a that's a good direction for for young guys to say that it can be done. Yeah, without a doubt. All right, well. That's going to conclude the interview. Um, is there anything, any plug you want? You want to plug anything? <laughs> we always ask people that. <laughs> no, that's all right. I just, yeah, I just want to thank you for having me on. And you know, I mean, uh, like I said, I love talking baseball, and I mean, I'm down to do it whenever, whenever we can again. So awesome. Thank well, thanks for coming on. Honestly, uh, I'm trying to get more local people involved because I feel like the local guys a lot of times don't get enough exposure. I mean. You know, there's there's a few people who get the burn in the in the local newspaper, but there aren't. You know, unfortunately, they don't follow everybody. And and you know, I think if you're playing pro ball, at least at the end of your season or whatever, there should be some updates. Or I think the people in the community should know. So I'm just trying to you know reach out to as many, even guys at, at other you know levels. Like I know I talked to you about we're gonna do an interview with Isaiah Henry, and you know he's a young kid that you know I don't know. He obviously got drafted, but you know, I kind of I look at Twitter. You know, if you don't have a ton of followers on Twitter and you're a pro athlete, I feel like you deserve more exposure. So I'm out here to try to uh, try to you know. I think that 
players at all levels of the game of baseball, whether it be football, bat, whatever it is, I feel like you know they they deserve that that exposure because you are a professional athlete, and those are dime a dozen, you know. So that's kind of like my goal with this. I mean, I w- eventually I would like love to interview some some top flight you know athlete or something like that, but that's not necessarily why I got into this. So um, I I appreciate you you know, giving me the opportunity to, to interview you. And, and I'm definitely down to, to do this whenever you want. If you know any guys that want to come on and, and talk baseball and, and their story, you know, they know where to reach me. Yeah, and, uh, and, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's the whole purpose of this thing is it's for the right reasons, you know what I mean? And, you know what I mean? These are, like you said, guys that you grew up with, guys that don't have the opportunities or whatever, but, you know what I mean? They made something of it, and I think you're doing it for all the right reasons. And I mean, I support this 100. percent Like anything, you know what I mean? You work your way up, and you'll get those top flight guys on here. So, well, again, I I appreciate it, and uh, thanks again for coming on. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. That's going to do it for Bringing the Heat podcast, episode 25. It was a pleasure having Danny on. Cannot wait to do it again. That was that was one of my, my favorite interviews. I mean, down-to-earth guy, uh, grinding to make it. You can't – I mean, you got to appreciate guys like that. So uh, it was a pleasure interviewing him. Can't wait to do it again. Um, before I go, this podcast was sponsored. Yes, that's right. I said it's sponsored by our sponsors at Train on Main. All right, so summer again, it's right around the corner. All right, it might not feel like it. We're getting lots of snow, lots of ice up here in the Northeast, but it is right around the corner. You need to get that summer bod ready. Most of you have probably given up on your New Year's resolution. I must say, I didn't make one, but I would have as well. All right, so you need to get back to what you're doing. So go see the people at Train on Main. All right, they can help you with whatever you want to work on. All right, it's one-on-one instruction. They will work with you. They're really nice people there. They will work on you or work work with you uh, on anything you would like. All right, you can ask for Dan. Um, he's the one that personally reached out to us, or you can ask for anybody there. They're knowledgeable at what they do, and they can help you again with anything. It's an intimate setting. The people are really nice, and it is true one-on-one training. Uh, you can follow them on Instagram at trainonmain427. All right. Um, also, it is also brought to you by Oahu Golf Apparel. Those of you that love to golf, again, summer's around the corner. Golf season's about to start up here in the Northeast. Go check out Oahu Golf Apparel. Some flashy stuff, really good stuff to wear on the golf course. You will be styling without a doubt. So go check it out. Um, you can follow. You can check them out at Oahu Golf Apparel on Instagram. You can buy the stuff straight from Instagram. All right, click on the links on their page. Check them out. Give them a follow. Their stuff is awesome. All right. Um, other than that, it was a great episode. Again, stay tuned Thursday. We will, or I guess I'll release it on Friday, but Thursday I will talk about all the news that has been going on because there's been a ton. All right. I don't want to make this episode any longer than what it is. Enjoy the day, enjoy the episode, enjoy your week, and we will see you again on Friday. Peace. We've been-